Hello everybody out there listening. Thanks for tuning in and welcome back to another episode of the Desi VC. We have a great guest lined up for you today, someone who I had the opportunity to work with for a very brief period of my time at Thai Bangalore. For those of you that are new to the podcast, I'm your host Akash Pat and each week I interview angel investors and venture capitalists investing in tech startups in India. If you haven't checked out last week's episode with Sanjay Mehta, I urge you to give it a listen at the end of this episode. Joining me today is Naganand Doreswamy. Naganand is the founder and managing partner at Idea Spring Capital, an early stage fund focused on B2B and B2B to C technology startups. Some of the companies in their portfolio include Laval Networks, Hudat, Worksogo, Zapti, and many others. Prior to Idea Spring, he was the co-founder and EVP at Span Infotech, a leading outsourced software services provider where he actively contributed to engineering and R&D while also overseeing operations before its acquisition to Every, a Norwegian-based IT services company. It was a pleasure reconnecting and speaking to Naganand and learning about investments in the B2B enterprise market in India. I'm very excited to share this episode with you. So without further ado, here's Naganand. Welcome to the show Naganand. It's uh, it's such a pleasure to have you and I'm very excited to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time. Um how's everything going for you? So thanks thanks for having me on your podcast Akash and uh, you know things are going well as you know uh, we are running a fund uh, in in Bangalore now based out of Bangalore called Idea Spring Capital uh, where we are looking at uh, very early stage uh, product innovation companies and it's been very exciting times in uh, Bangalore/India specifically in the area of product innovation Well I'm really curious to ask a couple of questions regarding some of the introduction uh, pieces that you just mentioned but I want to start off by asking you what attracted you to venture capital and uh, why now so um, i know i jokingly tell everybody that uh, i have lost the ability to do more startups uh, since i've done three and i thought the next best thing is to, to work with startups was to become a vc and hence ventured out into the vc you know that's more on a you know lighter side but honestly the reason i got into this is uh, one sided companies and you know i have experience both in the us and india and one thing i realized was there were not that many early stage capital available for entrepreneurs wanting to solve enterprise problems or basically building products in india i was part of uh, uh, investor networks uh, in india and you know most of the people were very comfortable investing in b2c startups because they understood it well but uh, the enterprise startups were not well understood and the investment was not going in because people would used to ask how many how many customers you have at the beginning and we all know that it'll take about uh, 12 to 18 months for an enterprise uh, startup to have some product and get some customers on board so that being the case and and having a strong product uh, background myself decided that you know it would be great to um, fund early stage entrepreneurs coming out of large enterprises in india because india was at the cusp of uh, uh, developing products for the world and architecting products for the world although as you know the history of uh, in india from the it perspective it started off with uh, bug fixing maintenance and graduated to development and then graduated to architecture 
And now you know, we are not only defining the products for other uh, geographies, but also you know, taking care of the product marketing, product development, and doing the whole nine yards with respect to products. And there are a lot of hungry entrepreneurs wanting to come out of these companies to do their own products. And we thought it would be a great time to um, raise a fund just to support these entrepreneurs. So we just only do uh, B2B or B2B2C, and our fund doesn't look at uh, B2C at all. So thank you okay. so much for that first bit of insight, Nakanan. It gives me a little bit of an understanding of how your journey in venture capital started. So you mentioned in an interview with ET Now that the USP of your fund is that y'all are very hands-on investors and support the startups actively for the first 18 months. What, in your opinion, are the early hurdles or difficulties in building B2B startups? So, you know, if you uh, look at the B2B market in India, uh, the good news is that you have early adopters in India now, and India gives you a playground to test your product, to get the initial customer traction, to uh, iron out any chinks in the armor and and get some good customer validation but b2b market per se in india is not very big and you know you have to build for global from day one as opposed to b2b2c where the market is fairly large in india so the key key hurdles that entrepreneurs face when you are looking at a b2b market is one of getting the initial traction in india which is which is achievable but then very quickly they have to start looking at the global market and some of the challenges they face is building for global scale from day one and getting customer traction, networking with uh, the, the enterprises across the world. And, and that's where we believe we can help uh, significantly. That's one area. And number two is, although this is changing very rapidly, um, the in, in the Indian market, we are very good at building, but in terms of product marketing and product positioning, we have a lot to learn. And we have had uh, experience, you know, in doing startups ourselves uh, before, and that's one area where we focus quite quite a bit initially with all the startups to say, you know, why should someone buy your product? What is your positioning? You know, uh, what solve problem are we solving for them? So, you know, we try and get a very sharp focus on the messaging, uh, which becomes extremely important. And the advantage we have is all the people in our funds have been entrepreneurs before, so we can relate to the entrepreneurs quite well. And it's not just we just show up in board meetings once in a quarter, once in a month. Uh, we are on calls with the entrepreneurs almost every week uh, and be, become part of the team, uh, understand the problem space really well and, and we'll get them off the ground and and mostly help them with uh, all these activities that surround in ensuring that the product messaging, product positioning goes well. Because we don't, we know that we are not, we, are, we cannot help them on the tech, help them on the technology side and we expect the founders to have a very strong technological background. And, just, and we expect to ha- expect them to also have a good domain knowledge. Uh, but these, these are the other areas that come that we can consider more like horizontal that we can help with all our portfolio companies. And that's where we saying that we will work very closely with them. And at any given point of time, we work we are working closely with four to six startups because we only do four to six deals in a year. And you know, at, at a single point of time, there are six active startups that we are working with because once they uh, do the next round of funding. I mean, you know, there are new set of investors who come in who can take them to the next level. But we have a very focused area, or we can call a niche, where we come in and help them get the initial set of customers, get them with the product market fit, and then and then help them raise the next round. And then we take a step back at that time, and and we have more like board members rather than very active investors. 
very interesting. That's almost like a catch-22 situation where, you know, you're kind of building for the global stage, but at the same time, that kind of like pulls you back in terms of scaling and really making your startup um, grow as much as you probably want it in the early stages. For early stage companies, what do you think is more important? Is it the product market fit or founder product fit and why? So, so founder product fit, uh, you know, I, I think you can have multiple different uh, permutations and combination of market product fit, founder market fit, and and so on and so forth. And you know, it, it's a it, it it has everything has uh, implications. What what I believe, basically, trying to keep it very simple, uh, the founder. First of all, we invest only when we believe that the founders are solving a problem that is exciting, right? Right. And we also don't want to invest in an area where there are there is too much noise, because if there's already too much noise, a lot of companies or startups trying to address a problem. It is very hard to raise above the noise sitting in India. So first of all, we pick a, a, a set of founders and a problem space that we believe is fairly niche, right? You know, and and then that way you don't have to go against too much noise. And the the first 12 months is very challenging, uh, like product market fit, market product fit, or founder uh, product fit, whatever it is, ultimately you have to say that, okay, are you solving a problem to the customer and the customer is willing to pay for it? Does the, the founding team have the ability to uh, solve that problem in the right way? And what is the market, right? I think these are the four questions that needs to be answered. And it's very hard to have answers to all these questions early on. And it was a discovery phase. And uh, you know we have had a couple of cases where it was a great team and we thought we are solving a great problem, but the market just didn't pan out the way we thought it would. But it was great technology that uh, that got acquired, uh, the team got acquired, and you know it was great, 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 great exit. But there are other four or five companies now in our portfolio, which is where we are doing the next rounds, where things have come together, right? So I think we believe it's a learning experience. And how much ever you think about various things, at the end of the day, it's, it's every startup is different, every market is different, every product is different, and the found every founding thing is different. Well, that's a very interesting point. So I've heard a lot of VCs say you've got to spend time with the winners to get bigger returns, and that is. There are others who say spending time with the underachieving startups will help boost your chances on the dollar. Where do you stand on time allocation with the portfolio? So look, I think the what we focus on is what is the revenue traction that a startup is getting and put in all our efforts to ensure that the necessary traction is coming in, right? So at, at some point you will realize that the the scale is not the, uh, the the scale of the startup in terms of the revenue is not something that the next round investors will be invest in, interested in right i think that is something we work very closely with the founders from day one uh, when we give money we say look you have 18 to 24 months runway in about 12 to 15 months if you are not showing the kind of traction that a next round investor would be will wanting to see then right. they really need to think hard about talking to somebody to to, to see if they, they would be interested in buying the technology and the team and whatever form or shape the product is in. Because the product at that time is still not making enough revenue. So it's mostly people will be buying the company for the technology they have and the founding team and the set of and, and the team they have built, right? So what we do is we put in all the effort equally to all the companies, but be realistic in, in about eight to 12 month time frame to see what traction we are getting in the market. And if you're not getting the traction in the market that will be required for the next round of investor to come in, 
all bets are off and, 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 and we have to be realistic at that time and find an exit to the company. And we work with the founders in exiting the company. If you start seeing revenue traction, we, we believe that, yeah, next round of investors will be coming in and it is a good opportunity to do the next round. Then we take the company down that path. So to answer your question, I think we spend time in both the cases. Mm -hmm. In one case, it will be uh, to raise the next round. In one case, to find an exit for the company. Well, that's a great point. You previously mentioned that you have or, your, or, or the fund actively looks at making some investments in uh, in niche sectors. So how do you mitigate false positives and false negatives in that scenario during an investment? So I will not say niche sectors, you know, it will be regular sectors, but products addressing a space that is not well addressed, right? You know, we have to look for that early on or or whatever. For example, we have now recently made uh, making an investment in, in, a, in a company that's solving a problem in the EV space. That's an emerging space. You know, mm -hmm. and, and then we believe that there's a great market for that. And similarly, we, we made an investment in a company called Laval Networks that was in uh, in the SD-WAN space. And in India, there was nobody who was solving the problem. And then in the U.S., there are a couple of companies who already were up, you know, doing the solving that problem. But for the Indian and the Southeast Asian market, it didn't, it didn't exist. So, you know, when when we look at uh, the companies, uh, you know, we look for uh, these kinds of opportunities and based on our experience, and also based on an investment committee, which is very unique, uh, I would say, because we have three people uh, external in our investment committee. And all, all these people are very, very plugged into the Indian uh, startup ecosystem and also understand what's happening globally. So the perspective that we bring into our deal is very, very different. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and these help us to make a call as to whether, you know, we believe this company can go places or not. But this said, no one can uh, say where, where some whether a company will be successful or not successful because the market at the end of the day determines what is successful and what is success and unsuccessful in terms of a financial outcome. So there will be false, false positives and false negatives and that's part of the game. Uh, we don't really uh, can't get too deep into it. But we do our diligence, you know, we, 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 we talk to the founders enough number of times and we, we get enough validation of the product. We have a good IC to kind of quiz the founders in terms of where uh, the opportunities are, what their capability is. And, and then based on all these factors, you take a call and, and if that come, comes out uh, negative, so be it. That, that's the attitude. I totally agree. I mean, it's very difficult in the early stages, especially to make a decision and try to like really nail down the false false positives and the false negatives. So what kind of modes do you look for when you're making an investment? What is important? What, what in your opinion, should really stand out? Or what do you have a personal checklist when you speak to startups? So I think and it's a fairly common thing that you'll hear almost all the investors saying, right? You know, you say first you have to look for the founder. Right. And the founders have to be solid. They need to know what they are uh, working on, what problem they are trying to uh, solve and make sure that they have the hunger and also the uh, transparency, openness, integrity, all those. Number one is the founders. Second, uh, we look for is what problem they are trying to solve, what's the market for that. And, and like I said, is there too many people already solving the problem? Then we kind of hesitate, right? You know, they should be solving something good. Now, of course, there's always be competition. They will not be the single one. But if it's too much, then we don't look at it. Uh, so they, hence, I say, you know, they, are they solving a problem which is real and important, but they're not there's not too much noise around that, right? Uh, for example, if someone comes and says we are solving the data analytics, it's very hard for us to kind of evaluate what is what else is happening in the industry, how many other people are solving, whether too many people solving that problem and we can't have the exposure and, and those kind of 
problems have you know, the products have to be sold in the US and we don't understand the US market completely. Though that's why you kind of say, all right, you know, in that case, we try and see whether we should take take this or not. A third one is we need to ensure that they have some patentable or defensible IP. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and that becomes important for us because, you know, we are mostly looking at uh, uh, product innovation and th that has to be defensible, at least, you know, say eight months, nine, one year for somebody else to come and do the same thing. That that's that becomes important. And the fourth one that's most important is for the money that we are giving. What is do they have a reasonable chance of getting the revenue that will be required to raise the next round? Because that becomes extremely critical for us. So do you also follow on on subsequent investments that you make? Yes, we do. So uh, typically, we, you know, in, in the Indian uh, rupee, you know, uh, we put about four crores, which is 600 to 750K in, in the, to start with. And we add another 750K or five crores in the next round. So we do participate in the next round. Uh, and But we won't lead the next round, but we do participation in the next round. Got it. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is, you know, we've seen companies and or we've seen this across across the globe, in fact, Valuations of early stage companies have been have been berserk. What is your take on valuations and how it's exploded over the last five six years? So I think you know we have seen all kinds of crazy things happen in the industry. Uh, but when uh, from our own perspective, when we come in, we we have certain numbers in mind uh, because we are coming in so early and the risks level is very high. Uh, we can't value the company uh, very high. So we say we need a decent equity for the money that you are raising. You know, it, it's just that, right? And you know, whoever falls into that gamut, we we are we talk to them uh, and then see if they if they can if we can partner with them. But you know, if somebody has a very aggressive valuations at the early stage, then we don't even touch them. Um, so fortunately, in India, in the in the product innovation space, things have gone not gone crazy yet, uh, and it it has gone crazy in the B two C space. But in the B two B space, it's it's still very manageable. Oh, interesting. Uh, now, that is something that I did not know about. My next question to you is with respect to deal flow. How how do you manage your deal flow? One, actually, how do you, what does your deal flow process look like? And two, how do you manage um, your deal flows, listening to companies and meeting with startups? How do you manage your day? So, I mean, it, it's a deal flow is not just me, it's the team, right? Uh, there are four people in, in the fund, we're a small team and each one of us uh, looked at the deal flow very closely. And our deal flow is mostly because of a network. Um, we, are, we are very well networked uh, in Bangalore and also in India, uh, connected with, with all the ecosystem players and uh, with all the angel investors. So we, hence, deal flow has been only uh, through introductions, and we go to uh, various incubators and accelerators where we get invited to, and we get introductions of uh, other founders to us. So uh, that way, it has been, uh, I would say, decent, and we have met our, we have hit our targets every year because we said we want to do four to six every year, and we we are doing an average of five every year, and that's the best we can do. And we can't do more than that because else we're not doing justice to each of the founders. So. That way, uh, our deep flow has been very, very good, uh, uh, very well networked in in uh, in Bangalore and as we're saying in in, the, in certain key cities, and uh, we we are out there in the field uh, talking to people, and uh, that's that's not been a big issue. And other good thing is, um, I think the startup market in India is also maturing, so you see more and more uh, people wanting to do um, startups and the quality of the entrepreneurs have gone up, the quality of the deal flow has gone up, the kind of problems they are solving have been interesting. Uh, and and then we are seeing, starting to see 
more uh, more of uh, deeper technology um, companies. I, it's not it's not a large percentage, but slowly and steadily it is increasing. So we are part of the network in IIC in Bangalore, and we are we, I sit on the advisory board on a couple of them. So these are all the areas where you know we have we are in the market uh, talking to people, getting referrals, and and that's how we have managed our deal flow. Interesting. Now you've been an entrepreneur yourself. You're now a VC. You have an extended network in India and across the globe as well. What are some of the non-intuitive learnings from the Indian startup investing ecosystem that you've come across over time? See, I, you know, in terms of the non-intuitive, um, it is there's not that much non-intuitive stuff in my mind, Akash. You know, I think uh, we have we have done startups before, and the way we are approaching the startups is pretty much what experience we have had before right um in in terms of uh, non intuitive or learnings is I, I the one key learning i tell everybody is we have to get a lot better in terms of how we uh, position our product how we do product messaging and that's a, a very big area for us to learn and and that, that's something that we all need to keep learning on so if i would not say non intuitive but i would say if there is one area that where we have all have to learn more i think that's one space where i would look at in terms of product marketing and product management okay and you know i want i'd like to shift gears a little bit and talk about you know your the fund and your experience as a fund manager what's been or what have been some of the biggest challenges that you have faced in raising this fund and of course i mean there will be i'm, I'm hoping it's much more funds that will come along the way so what has been your biggest challenge as a fund manager so it, it, raising money is always a hard a hard problem yeah Absolutely. i mean i raising money whether you're an entrepreneur whether you're a fund manager trying to convince somebody that uh, they have to invest in you is always a very very hard problem uh, so i as an entrepreneur i've tried to raise money and have had issues as a fund manager when you try to try to raise money you have the same set of issues but fortunately uh, when we were raising uh, the fund uh, we had very good connections in the market and you know we we kind of put a very uh, structured process in place when you also said uh, if you don't want to invest certain amount then please don't look at us because we didn't want to have too many lps in the fund and fortunately we didn't have uh, that bigger problem in raising the fund because we also wanted to do a small fund you know we are just looking at doing a 20 mil fund uh, yeah. we didn't want to do a very large fund so that way uh, we were fairly lucky and uh, in, you know in terms of meeting the right investors and we only have 21 investors for a 20 million fund which is which is not bad at all averaging around close to a mil per per lp so that was that was quite uh, good and the second thing that happened also around the same time india started uh, fund of funds right the government of india started fund of funds which was managed to sidbi and uh, sidbi was very supportive and, and and they came in with a significant percentage they took about 15% of the fund and that also helped us quite a bit and the fact that the india started fund of indian government started fund of funds became very very useful for us so in terms of raising the money you know it was it was reasonable and and closing the lp paperwork was a challenge uh, I, I and as you know india is still working on ease of business uh, there are some few uh, you know we have come a long way in terms of digitizing everything but there are still a few areas where we are working with the government actively to ensure that it get it gets a lot easier so that that way closing of the fund uh, you know particularly when you are foreign investors doing the kycs those are the kind of issues that you came up with we have dealt with it and i think that is getting better as we move forward but in terms of moving from an entrepreneur into a fund manager you know the 
biggest problem or the biggest issue you face is now you're not directly responsible for delivery right you're always working through somebody so you have to make a lot of adjustments to ensure that you give the entrepreneurs their space it is their company they are running but you know you you have a lot of ideas but you have to hold yourself back and and make sure that you're with them um, available to them when required and give inputs as as you know as but most meaningful and and hold hold certain things back and that is always a challenge you know so if if you ask me what is one of the largest challenges you have faced in transitioning from an entrepreneur to a fund manager it would be that uh, trying to ensure that you know you don't you don't get deeply involved and you don't try to run the company but you are there for the entrepreneurs uh, to to kind of give them inputs when they ask and in odd times you you have to give inputs which will do as an investor but trying to uh, separate the investor hat and the entrepreneur hat has been has been fairly interesting i would say well i read this somewhere where um, i think it was a while ago where somebody mentioned 90% of board members either provide no value or detract value so the it, the biggest advice that this vc gave was that speak when you have something to say don't speak for the sake of it you're there to help the startup and it's it's not about you know trying to take over and run their their business at the end of the day you're there to support them so that's that's something that you've echoed yourself as well um so yeah i think absolutely. that's absolutely a common theme here correct and the fact that we have done companies before will gives us a different perspective you know we really feel what the entrepreneur is going through what the founders are going through because you have been through that grind many times right so you you tend to appreciate better and you know that everybody needs their space and you're up there to ensure that you give the space that is required right and what have been the key factors that you consider which define the fund's investment strategy and how does that change um a year from now or or two years from now when you raise a subsequent uh, fund you know in in terms of the fundamental thesis and our approach i don't think will change everything anything at all you know i, I think we're very happy with what our thesis has been and how we have gone about selecting our startup so i think we will definitely stick to that and even when we do the if and when we do the next one will not change it the only uh, change that could come in is you know in india life sciences is picking up quite a bit uh, that is not our strength area but we are working with a couple of advisors now to also look at uh, one or two life sciences companies uh, if at all in um, uh, going forward if at all any change we would probably say that some amount of allocation should be there for life sciences because i think india will be a big force in life sciences going forward that's that's very fascinating i did not know that yeah. um i yeah. think i'll do a little bit of digging into that sector myself and try and read up a little bit about it yeah um you know are there sectors uh, or areas that you will not invest as a fund or in you know in other words do you have a wise clause in your fund no no i, I said like i said we will not invest in anything that is b2c uh, not not that yeah. we don't like that space we love that space but the kind of capital that will be required for a b2c is very very large and it is not not uh, prudent for a fund of our size to kind of venture into that space uh, because you need deep, much deeper pockets to play in that uh, area so and also the none of the founders in the fund have experience in b2c we're all come coming from the enterprise background so that's the reason we have just said we'll just stick to b2b or b2b2c and then focus on this market but I, I, inside that we don't have any any other additional filters it's very additional filters and beyond that interesting and apart from finding potential unicorns what's the toughest part of being in venture capital so i you know i i'm not a big believer in unicorns because i don't know what will become a unicorn what will not become a unicorn so when we invest that is not our goal at all 
right? Uh, it's very hard to predict that. Like I said, we have those four or five criteria that we choose, and if something becomes a unicorn, that is great. But you know, I also tell people that India is still a very young entrepreneurial market, and I would say in the enterprise space, it would be great to get exits in the 50 to 70 mil range, and then that can change to 200 mil plus, and then that can change to 500 mil plus, and then you can look at one billion. Of course, there are a few startups like Freshworks, Freshworks, and other other couple of other companies that are reaching this unicorn uh, stage but I, I as a, in our fund that is not a key focus and i'm i'm really not concerned about it i i just really want to ensure that there is a ha- healthy ecosystem in india and you're also getting good exits which are sub 100 mil right even in the us we look at it 80 85% of the deals are sub 100 mil and i think we need more of that in india as we speak today so that's what we are focused on and that's what we want to enable and we want to ensure that the entrepreneurial like ecosystem stays healthy there are deals that are happening and I believe and uh, I, I am sure that we can build products that can fit this category sitting out in India. Well, there's, you know, they say that every time a VC opens his or her mouth, they're sending a message to the founder or the ecosystem. And you certainly did um, when you mentioned uh, when you mentioned about the space and how you look at valuations and how you look at, uh, you know, unicorns for that for that matter. So now just changing gears again a little bit, and I wanted to um, you know, go back to an earlier point that you had made um, in the beginning of the podcast where you spoke about both seats. And um, you know, if from, from your perspective, um, what is or who makes a good board member? What does a good board comprise of? See, I think uh, it, it has to be a balanced board, but in the stage that we come in, um, a good board member is somebody who can number one help the entrepreneur in the governance space because what happens is entrepreneurs are running hard and they kind of ignore the governance part of it and we in our fund we strongly believe that governance has to be very very key of any startup not only for the next round of funding but for an m and a but from a health perspective you need to ensure that there is there's integrity there's transparency in whatever the company is doing across the board right so one one is you have to bring your experience in ensuring that the company is run well and the comp- that there's a good governance in the company, number one. And number two is understand the pain of the entrepreneur, understand the strengths and weaknesses and be able to add value in areas where you think you can solidify further, right? I, I do not, and, and the board member has to have the time, has to get involved in the company, particularly in the stage that we are in. Like I was saying, we have weekly uh, uh, meetups with the entrepreneurs. We, we stay in close touch. We understand what's happening in the business. Not only that, we also we have a CTO in the in the fund, which is very, very rare. Uh, and the CTO of the fund talks to the engineering architecture team to ensure that they're building for, for, for scale from day one. I think so. Hence, to me, uh, two things uh, was very important from a board perspective. One is ensuring that the governance is good. And number two, ensuring that you're adding value in areas where the entrepreneur really needs value and and giving that in giving those inputs when it is actually required. That's a great point. I'm sure a lot of board members you know, hearing this would would really appreciate what you just said. But from an entrepreneur perspective, what's the best board meeting structure and format? Because early stage startups or first time founders are trying to figure this out. A lot of them are navigating. They make a lot of mistakes. So I've I've spoken and I've heard. I've seen on my team here as well um, that. This is one of the biggest challenges that that early stage founders face. So from being on several boards yourself and uh, what could you 
share to the founder community about um, structuring their board meetings and what are the best practices in your opinion? Yeah, so to me, um, I would say we, we, we look at board meetings more like management meetings and we tell our entrepreneurs not to treat us like investors. The biggest challenge that entrepreneur faces as soon as they start treating you like investors, they would like to basically hide a few things from you because they say the investor may need not know this or the investor should know this and, and, and so on and so forth. Right. So our message is look, treat us like treat us like your partners, don't treat us like your investors. So the board meetings should almost get down to you know monthly management equivalent meetings where you really understand what's happening in the company, what are the real pain points without any hiding going on. Uh, because as soon as you become you're treated like an investor, the founders tend to hide things. So for us, we can't work like that. So we tell all our founders, look, treat us like your extended team and everything will be fine uh, till you raise the next round. When more and more investors come in, then you start putting a structure around it. But for us, for now, stay unstructured is what we tell them. Interesting. And on the flip side of that, your advice to you know angels or your advice to investors who are thinking about taking a board seat, should they or should they not? What are your two cents on that? Look, if you want to take a board seat, it is not just to put it on your LinkedIn, right? And saying you're a board member. The question is, do you have, do you have the wherewithal in that domain? Do you have the connects in the industry? And do you, do you really like working with the entrepreneur? And can you give time? If the answer to all these four questions is yes, then take a board seat. If any of these questions is no, don't take a board seat. That, that's what I would say. It's very, as, as simple as you put it across. Yeah, yeah. Keep it and simple. Yeah. It, it has to be simple and, you know, you, it's board. You're not taking a board seat just for the sake of it, right? You're taking a board seat because you're willing to give the time uh, the companies requires. You're willing to understand the pain of the entrepreneurs, understand the pain of the founders. And, you know, you can you have to make a real difference for the to the company and only then you know you're a good board member totally agree totally agreed on that um what do you know now about venture capital that you wish you knew when you first started investing so i look i i knew what venture capital was because i uh, dealt with vcs and i my perspective hasn't changed uh, you know i i would like to keep things very simple uh ensure and ensure ensure what what needs to happen uh, uh, from a startup perspective and 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 you know you have to and like i said there's a difference when you are between being an entrepreneur and being an investor and you need to really really understand the fundamental differences between the two the main one being you know in, when you are an investor don't don't get too perturbed about every single thing that happens in the company don't try and solve every single problem for the company don't try and be on the entrepreneur's head on a daily basis no, you you have to be more mature and uh, get involved where required, uh, give inputs where required. But and, and that, but overall, be very close to the entrepreneurs in ensuring that the company is moving in the right direction. And I tell everybody like always in in terms of the precedence, the company comes first, right? The team comes next, second, and everything comes third. Well, that's 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 a great point that you made there. Um, I want to head into this segment, which is um, you know which is really fun for me. We, we stop discussing serious, serious stuff, but also trying to understand your personality and trying to understand a little more about you as an investor. So I'm going to kick it off by asking you, what is your anti-portfolio? Or in other words, what are some of the things that you wish that you invested in, but you ended up passing on? I know your, 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 your fund is fairly new and there might not have been that many exits for you to actually regret about, but has there been something that you wish you had invested in? It could be... In, so, it, so it, or it could be some sometime in your past as well. 
so past i don't know i was never a investor so it's hard to say uh, but you know when i was part of iin uh, one thing i missed out was dhruva uh, dhruva by the time i became a member of indian angel investor in indian angel network dhruva already had done its uh, seed round and when i after i joined it came to the next round and there was, there was still an opportunity to invest but i didn't want to invest because i didn't get into the seed round so if i had got even if i had got in at that time it would have been great because it's one of the unicorns that has come out of india so that's something i missed as a investor i still like the space i invest for other reasons uh, because i couldn't get into the seed uh, but in retrospect i should have done that from a fund perspective like you said probably another couple of years i will be able to answer that question more authoritatively than today there are a couple of companies that we have looked at where you know we thought the technology was good but we were not uh, we didn't have the wherewithal in the in the uh, fund to decide whether we should invest or not but whether it is an anti portfolio we need to still need to wait and watch because it's very very early stages as of now we will get in you two back two years probably uh, i will be able to answer uh, that question definitely we'll get you back in the on the podcast a couple of years from now yeah. if you um yeah. your brain about your anti portfolio um sure. you know what has been what, or what is your most recent investment and why are you excited about it so we are we are uh, currently as we speak we just closed a company um that is in the storage space uh, and these are the guys couple of founders who came out of netapp and have a very strong storage background and they are building a solution uh, for uh, for a hybrid situation where on prem as well as cloud where they are addressing a fundamental issue of how copy data management is is managed and handled and i believe they have a very unique solution wherein uh, for in, in in the cloud situation or on prem they are solving the problem for replicating the data very quickly uh, for you know because as you know uh, when in growth scaling you have to have multiple copies of data and you know, it's very very hard for enterprises to when the data is running to gigabytes to create those copies very quickly and these guys have a unique solution where they can not only have the storage done but also manage that copy data very actively where we have seen that the time it creates to the time it takes has come down from 3 hours to a few minutes so mm-hmm. i think we are quite excited about the specific area problem area they are solving and you know cloud is an emerging space now and and i think this solution will will uh, change the market quite significantly so we are quite excited about this this is our latest investment great we'll definitely uh, i also that uh, and i'll definitely give an eye out for that personally myself sure. So, what is or who is one person who has impacted you personally and uh, professionally? So, I would say uh, you know Tim Barrows of uh, there are multiple people, but if you have to pick one, I would say Tim Barrows of Matrix Partners in the US. Uh, I've worked with him extensively. A great person. Uh, I learned a lot from him, uh, and uh, he's been a mentor. You know, and whenever and whenever I have questions these days, I go to him. So, I would say amongst the mentors, he would be one. Another person who was impacted significantly was. my previous ceo you know we started a company called span infotech um, and uh, he was a ceo as the original founder and he has had a significant influence on uh, his main his name is pradeep brahma and he's another person who has impacted my professional career significantly awesome and um, you know for for listeners who are probably thinking about vc or in the vc space is there uh, one piece of um, or one resource that that they could listen to read um or do something about to really expand and um, you know try and learn learn a little more about bc what would your advice to to them be so i would never use the term advice because it's a very loaded term i say input right it's not a book or anything look this is my personal uh, feeling personal opinion i would say 
before you become a VC, at least be at least go to one startup, you know, be, be an early member or do a startup and then become a VC because your whole perspective of investment changes once you have done a startup. That's that's great advice. What's one thing you wish you'd like to change about venture capital and venture capital in India specifically? Um, one thing I would uh, change, I think uh, we can we can get more involved in the governance aspects. Uh, some sometimes there we have seen certain slippages in there. So I say as an investor, please focus on the governance, which is very important for startups. Perfect. That's that's great advice again. And um, you know, lastly, um, I, I want to leave this podcast on a note where you know founders and entrepreneurs listening to it can really take away something from the investor's angle and perspective on this on this thought. What is your advice for first-time entrepreneurs on fundraising? Look, when people come to present to us, um, we always say, look, do you understand what you're trying to do? Do you have the passion? Do you have the integrity? So I so I think uh, I, my, my uh, philosophy always has been show what you have, don't try and pretend. So uh, I would like the attitude of what you see, what you get. So that's what I like the most in people. So if somebody is trying to uh, go talk to an investor, I say, keep it as simple as possible and it should be what you see is what you get. Great. I mean, it, what better note to end the podcast on? It's been a pleasure to have you on the show, Nakanand. I really appreciate your time. And there were some great insights out there. I'm sure people in VC, founders, and people who are just interested in this space are going to take some really good insights from there and trying to incorporate that into their lives or at least just use that as resource in things that they do. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was great talking to you, Akash, and I hope, I'm hope i hoping that people who listen to this for 30, 35 minutes will find something useful, and it was great talking to you. And there you have it. It was so great to have another investor on the podcast and learning so much about their thought process. You can tell when a VC has had extensive experience as a founder in his past life, and Naganan certainly was one of those. From sharing his insights on fundraising to board meetings, this episode had a lot of great insights packed in it. I'm incredibly grateful to Naganand for his time on the show. For further updates, you can follow him on Twitter at Naganand D. That's N-A-G-A-N-A-N-D-D. And while you're at it, you can follow me too at Bhatviyakash. It's B-H-A-T-V-A-K-A-S-H. Or drop me an email at akash at scrum.vc. Thanks again for listening, folks, and make sure you tune in next week for another super guest. Until then, keep hustling. <laughs>